Well, as we continue in worship today, I just thank you very much, Bell Choir. That's, I, I, there's moments where I just kind of feel like I'm geeking out a little bit, like, and it's a Bell Choir. I love it. So that's, I love music. So it's wonderful. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of passages of Scripture today, and uh, I did with this being Mother's Day. Uh, I, I put a Mother's Day message together, and so I, I call this message a blessing of a godly mother. Uh, but I don't want, as I say that, there's always this tendency for the males and the non-mothers to kind of go, well, that's not me, so I'm going to get my phone out and act like I'm on the Bible app and play, play Crazy Birds or Angry Birds or something. Well, I don't want you to do that or to feel that way. I want you to realize that this is Scripture, and I, I, uh, the, the application, things that we see out of these passages in Timothy's life will be in 2 Timothy uh, are things that pertain to us as saints. And even though we're speaking to moms and individual families and different uh, family structures, we are a church and the church is a family. So not only do these, these, uh, these need to be happening in us as saints and happening in moms, they also need to be happening in dads. They need to be happening in every believer in the church because the church needs to be strengthened. It is a family of God. So please don't turn your minds off or think, uh, this isn't for me, I'm going to go... Uh, and uh, check the scores or whatever else is out there. Um, but it is about moms, right? So we, we uh, I don't know, you know, sometimes it's always kind of one of those things. If you grew up with, with a godly mother, you, you, you could say, man, I'm, I am blessed. Uh, if your mom was not, you may think different about that. Uh, but this morning, we do want to just encourage and strengthen our mothers. We believe uh, in, the, in the marriage, right, and the family, and we want to pray over those things and bless our moms and, of course, our, our dads as well. I want to bless uh, husbands and, and wives, right? We want to see the family grow. But this morning, as we, as we fix ourselves, our attention upon uh, Timothy and uh, the influence of his mother and grandmother, um, you know, hopefully there are some things that we begin to see in our own lives. Um, I grew up with a mom that was believed uh, in immediate, uh, direct uh, retribution, right? Uh, there was only a few things that were so bad that she waited for, for my dad to get home from work. And I always tease her. I always think you know, it, was, it was just, it had to be kind of some elation to like, oh, you're going to be like that? Okay, this is how this is going to play out, right? And my mom, I know I've shared this before, but it is, I always, I kind of tease her today because uh, you know, she had, some had a wooden spoon, and uh, others would make you go get a switch if she was going to spank you. My mom was, we're going to deal with it right now, right? We're going to fix this thing. And so she had a ruler, and, and it was bad enough to get spanked by a ruler, but my mom's ruler was pink, right? And so there was this element of, like, really a pink ruler. I mean, it was compounded the, the feeling there, but uh, as I look back, I, you know, I'm sure I deserved all those things, and I'm very thankful my mom was... Um, active in my life, right? A godly woman who, who um, poured into me. Uh, you know, it's interesting as you think about moms, you think about the logic of moms, and there was one guy who said uh, his mom was very influential, right? She taught him about religion, right? And his, his, his response or his, his statement to that is, uh, you better pray to God that that stain comes off the carpet. <laughs> and he goes on to say, my mom taught me about logic because I said so, that's why. Right? That's a, and he uses the word contortionism. Right? My mom taught me contortionism. She would often say, will you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? <laughs> then he added one more that he used the word uh, stamina. 
Uh, you know, you just sit there as long as you want, but those peas are going to be eaten, right? <laughs> the spinach is going down. So moms have a big influence, a big impact upon our lives. It's, it's no uh, surprise that on Mother's Day, there's more phone calls made and more cards extended. I don't know what that says about fathers us, but maybe we don't like that as much. Let's just tell ourselves that. But uh, moms have a big influence. There was one father who thought, well, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to change this. I'm going to spend uh, just an exorbitant amount of, of time within my, pouring into my son. I'm going to teach him how to hunt and fish and play basketball and football. I'm going to prepare him uh, for school and all these things. And he goes into collegiate sports and he's playing for a, a well-known college team. And he finally makes a good play and the TVs are on him. And the two words that come out of his mouth are, hi, mom. Right? <laughs> It's just how it is, right? Moms have that ability to just say, you, it's mom, you know, mom says, and it's done. Now, if you're here this morning and you had that mom, well, uh, you can relate to a lot of this, right? Uh, my mom was that way. As we look at these passages, we want to look at, at the influence, right? The guidance of moms, the importance and the necessity and, and uh, the blessing of a godly mother. So in Second uh, Timothy, if you will, uh, verse one, or excuse me, chapter 1, verse 5. I'm going to read that verse, and then I'm going to skip over to chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 14 through 17. So 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 5 says this. Uh, Paul speaking, he says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. And then if you turn over to chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, Paul says this. But you must, speaking to Timothy, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let me offer a brief prayer. Father, thank you for this, this day once again. Thank you for this time. You've given to us, I ask that your spirit be with us, that as we look to your word, uh, that your spirit would teach us. I pray that we, we would be encouraged, and especially moms today, of uh, the influence and the direction, Lord, as you lead us. Uh, Lord, just pray your blessing upon them. As always, Lord, get me out of the way that every thought and life would be fixed upon you, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we see in these two verses, as Paul is referencing, right, the, the influence of his grandmother and his mother over Timothy's life, and no doubt Paul himself has been active uh, in his life. We see in, in chapter, or excuse me, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, uh, Paul mentioning, right, uh, Lois and Eunice, his grandmother and mother. Uh, we see legacy, right, the pouring in, the, the living out of this faith of demonstrating, not just talking about it, but living in front of Timothy as Paul kind of mentions, I see this in them, I've met them, I know them, I see it in them, I see it also. I'm persuaded, Timothy, that this is also in you. 
And in chapter 3, 14 through 17, we, we learn of this sincere, sincere faith of these women, right? It's not just uh, something that's, uh, um, you know, hey, it's, it's a good thing to do, everyone's doing it. No, it's, there's a sincerity here, and they've combined it with teaching, right? It's not just, hey, this is good stuff. No, they are showing it, modeling it, living it, loving it, uh, and, and teaching it to Timothy, uh, no doubt Paul is, is in the mix, and Paul has done some wonderful things, I'm sure, in Timothy's life, right? We know that from Scripture. Uh, but he has just these moments where Paul references the influence of a godly mother and a godly grandmother. So looking at just a few things uh, from these passages, um, the first thing I have this in your note is a godly mother. And again, we could say a godly saint or, or any person, right, who's following after Christ. But a godly mother here specifically uh, will model a genuine faith is what uh, the words of Paul. In chapter 1, verse 5, he says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith, right? It's not a faith that is, uh, looks all right or we're, not, we're questioning about it or we're not sure. We'll wait and see. Paul seems to be quite convinced about this genuine faith, right? That is in you, which dwelt first, dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded Timothy, this faith is in you, right? How important, just for a moment there, we could, by application, uh, simply talk about the influence of parents, right? It is a huge influence, and it is a task to mom and dad to train up their children in the ways of the Lord. Uh, Paul is kind of referencing that, not teaching us that directly, but is showing it. He's encouraging Timothy, I see this genuine faith. You know, what's interesting is we don't really know a whole lot more about uh, Eunice and, and Lois, his mom and grandmother. Uh, in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, we see that it says, And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. So you have his mom who breaks ranks with uh, what was customary, right? So the Jews are to marry Jews and somehow... Uh, his mom breaks ranks there and marries a Greek, marries a pagan. Um, there's, of course, Scripture doesn't unfold this, but we can maybe think of some application or implication, rather, of, of decisions in her life. Maybe there's some rebellion going on. Uh, maybe there's something else happening. But regardless of that, the point that uh, Paul is simply making and what we need to understand is regardless of the background, these women have come to faith in Christ. They believed on Christ uh, and their faith uh, his predates Timothy, right? So Timothy was young. He was taught the scriptures. And so you, regardless of the background, just by a simple application of your background this morning, regardless of what you're going through, it's never too late, right, to grab hold of scripture, learn scripture, and live scripture. We may think this morning that uh, my kids are out and, and off. Uh, we'll never underestimate, mom, dad, your influence, even if, if their sense have left the home there's value, right? So we have this situation of a godly mother, and we don't know their background. We just have these little hints, and I don't want to make too much of that because the Bible doesn't specifically say. Uh, but simply being human and you being human, us and them being human, well, we realize that life isn't always uh, simplistic, right? It's not always just cut and dry, and sometimes we have to work through decisions. But regardless of our decisions, we see that in their life, God is good. Just as our, our scripture reading, He is good. These women have come to believe. It doesn't say anything about uh, Timothy's father. Uh, he is a pagan, right? It doesn't mention that. But these women are stepping in, in the gap. Um, 
It is tasked to, to you, Dad, to be the spiritual leader of your home. It is a responsibility that God himself, Christ himself, has given to you. You are the Christ figure of the home. Right? And when that is, is not happening, it usually gets put on mom's plate. And with all this, the busyness of mom and all the things she has to do, I'm often amazed at the, the things my wife accomplishes, and I just marvel at it. And then I feel kind of bad about mentioning being tired. Right? I'm so tired, and I cut that sentence off because I'm not going to say that to my wife. At least I shouldn't. But there's so much there, and the spiritual responsibility is not tasked to, to your wife. Men, it's tasked to you. But in this situation, Timothy is growing up with a father. Imagine he's there, but he's not the spiritual leader of the home. And grandma and mom are kicking in and taking care of business, right? They're living it, and they are teaching it to Timothy. So what do we learn out of this, right? Uh, we see some hope that we can have regardless of our situations. Hey, let's get the Word of God going in our lives. But I put in your notes, a mother's genuine faith is to be sincere and without hypocrisy, Right? That seems to go without saying. How do you put sincere and hypocrisy together? Well, right, we probably should just say it should be sincere, but it definitely needs to be without hypocrisy. Any person can, can spot a phony, especially children. So one of the things that we can grab from this is simply that we need to live this out. Right, Faith in Christ needs to be demonstrated, not just talked about. And it's okay to, to, to say we, when we have bad days, explain to your children how to pray for forgiveness, if that's where we're at, right? Uh, show them and model uh, what it looks like to pray, because anyone can spot a phony person. Well, yeah, mom and dad act this way on Sundays, uh, but you should see them the rest of the week. That shouldn't be coming out of our children's mouths, right? Um, we should be genuine. I love this, this comical little story that this pastor shared one time about a man who was looking for a job and and in, was in need. He went down to the city zoo and hoping to find a job feeding the animals. And the, the, the zoo told him, well, we don't have uh, a job available. However, uh, seeing the man's stature and his size, he goes, you know, we, uh, there's an, uh, the, the gorilla is an attraction here. And, and if we have a gorilla, um, people come and our gorilla just died a few days ago. Would you be willing? <laughs> Put on a gorilla suit. Let's kind of swing around in there so we can, you know, we can get some people in. And the man being, thought it was kind of foolish, but thought, you know, I'm really hungry. Okay, right? Pay me, I'll, I'll act the part of a gorilla. And so he does this for a few days, and, and he's getting the hang of it, and he's, he's pretty soon he's swinging around the trapeze and doing a bunch of things, and people marvel at how intelligent uh, this gorilla really is. So one day he's getting a little bit carried away, he's swinging around, and he finds himself swinging off the trapeze and right into the lion's den, realizing that if he speaks, the gig is up. So he does his best to stay quiet and, and, and backtrack as slowly as he can, and he realizes as he moves closer back to his area where he belongs, the lion is following him and brings out this tremendous roar. So at the last ditch effort, thinking to himself, you know, it's better to live and let the jig be up than to die at uh, the mercy of this lion. So he begins to yell, yells quite loud, help. And immediately the lion said in an undertone voice, be quiet or you'll get us both fired. <laughs> 
right? Play the part. So we can realize, we can spot a phony, right? Apparently he was pretty good. They didn't spot it for a little while there. But, but in our sincere faith, as we live this out, there's wonderful opportunities. And I always believe, Mom, right? There's, there's wonderful times when, when we explain to our children, right, the, the, the hard things of life. And maybe, maybe the situation didn't go as you planned, but you explain to them how, what it means to repent, what it means to say I'm sorry, what it means to do those things. Right? The, our faith is, is uh, meant to be lived. It is real faith. It's not a fleeting thing or something to just use as word service. It is always life. The psalmist in our scripture reading earlier mentioned seven verbs, right? Seven um, imperative verbs. They're commands, but it's always rooted in the, the, um, the reasons, right? Because God is, God is good. In our men's group the other day, we were talking about, uh, before we got into the uh, to the discussion, we were talking about repentance, and I remembered one time John MacArthur uh, answering a question from a lady who just was uh, perplexed about the amount of repenting she finds herself always doing. I'm just not good, and I find myself every day asking God to forgive me. And so she looks to John MacArthur and says, you know, do you have, what, what do I need to do, and you know, how, do, how do I fix this? And his simple response was, you're welcome to the club. You know, we live a life of brokenness. We're not perfect. And part of our prayer life is confession. It's the acknowledgement that every sin is against the Holy God. It's against him first, right? As we restore relationships with our children, we realize it's against God. We'll teach them through that. Be genuine in your faith. Don't be a hypocrite. Work through the hard times. Be willing to do that. So I put that in your notes, right? Let's be sincere. Let's live this out. And even in the, in the it's always easy to do the easy things when it's easy, right? Um, but it's not always easy to do difficult things when it's hard. But be sincere in it. Model it. Show them. The other thing I put in your notes is a mother's genuine faith does not mean perfection. I'd imagine that this morning as we, we talk about, you know, here, here's this, what's tasked to you, and, and your mind might reference all the moments in your life where uh, this is where I messed up, and this is where I messed up, and this is where I blew it, and, and maybe this morning you're thinking about your own mom. My mom, just, she didn't do this, and she didn't do that, and she, you know, we have this tendency to cap out uh, on the, the wrongs. Well, as long as we're moving forward, we need to be thinking about right, who God is and the work he's doing in us. So as we work through parenting and modeling and living out this life, um, we need to realize that it doesn't mean perfection. See, Paul talks in, in Philippians chapter 2 that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because it's the Lord who's working in us. Our sanctification is not just instantaneous at the moment of conversion, but it is ongoing. And we live this life and we grow, right, in holiness because he is holy. We grow in our purity. We grow in, in learning God's word and the commands of his word. And we continue to come under the authority of, of God's word and the lordship of Christ. We continue to live this. But it doesn't mean that we get to this place where, you know what, I'm perfect. Moms are not perfect. Dads are not perfect. Not, not one of us is perfect. There is only one. And he was nailed to a cross. So I think for us this morning, moms, be encouraged. You have an awesome task, a God-given task. It's placed upon you. 
not just in your home, but in the church, right, in the larger community. Be that person who walks with the Lord in authenticity, right? I'm, I'm the real deal. And sometimes, man, the real deal is, is goes through hardships. Well, then be that person. Let Scripture confront your sin. Teach your children through that, what it means. Uh, teach your children how to confess sin and ask for forgiveness. Develop that kind of character. We're moving forward. Your kids will realize, just as I realized with my own mom, she wasn't perfect, but she walked with the Lord. My mom knew that the Lord was good. My mom understood that his, his truth endures to all generations. My mom understood that his mercy is everlasting. His mercies are new every morning. And see, this is the faith. Can we, can we talk about the broken times? Talk about the difficult times? Yeah, we have, we have those experiences. But as we live this life with sincerity, moms, realize it doesn't mean perfect. It means understanding who God is and what he's doing. See, this is the legacy we, we want to hand off. I don't think there's any child out there that wants to receive a some type of Christianity that's filled with phoniness or hypocrisy, that's not something that's going to stick or stay with them. But they will, right? We will understand the, the, the conviction, the reality of walking with the Lord, communing with Him. This, is, I believe, is contagious. Josh Billings has made this statement. He says, to bring up a child in the way he should go will... Travel that, that way yourself once in a while, right? Let it be in you. Timothy is, is, and Paul really is, telling Timothy, I'm looking back on, on this legacy in your life. I have, I've met Timothy, your grandmother and your mom. I've seen the genuineness. Paul doesn't say, I, I met them and they were perfect. No, they were genuine. They were real. Faith was not a fleeting thing. It was lived out in their lives. They were walking after the Lord and seeking after him. They were taking the scripture and saying, this is truth. And the grandmother was saying, let's teach it to my grandson. And mom is saying, let's teach it. And Timothy is, is, uh, benefits from all that. And Paul simply sees it, handed down. This is the legacy. I'm persuaded, Timothy, it's also in you. So we see that to, to follow after the Lord is simply to have a genuine faith, a faith that is not a phony, a faith that is real. And in the hard times, the easy times, the times that, that maybe we want to forget about, all those moments of life, we continually uh, seek the Lord, we seek his word, and we apply scripture to our lives. And that's the calling. And guess what? You're, you're going to make mistakes, right? But God is always with us, and he is always good. And we know that when we confess our sins, he's able and just, more than willing to forgive us. So we see we need to have a genuine faith growing in us. And so you can see this. It's not just for moms, right? It's for dads. It's for every saint. This should be happening in the church. It should be happening in your life, the uh, revealing who God is and Christ is, the reality, right? The realness of Calvary should be evident in us. We know God is good. Therefore, I'm going to sing I'm going to worship, as the psalm says. So that should be in us and in the church. We're speaking here to encourage moms. Have a genuine faith. Also, point number two, a godly mother devotes time to train, right? To train her children. 
I'm going to jump over now to 2 Timothy 3. This will be chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Paul says this. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom, right? So you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Isn't it interesting when he says, knowing from whom you learn them. No, no doubt Paul is active here, right? Paul is, probably has himself in that camp, but he's also attaching to that camp of his influence and his teaching is, right, a godly godmother and a godly uh, grandmother, excuse me, and a godly mother attached to this, living this faith out and being genuine, so Paul attaches that to Scripture, realizing that it's in Scripture, right, that we learn salvation. It's in Christ and Him alone. So, so what are they understanding or what are they teaching? Imagine they're teaching something about the law, something about the holiness of God, and something about the, the necessity of Christ, right? Paul's mentioning that it's in Christ and Christ alone that brings salvation. Well, I'm sure they're teaching these things. I think here we see the value, right, of, of, of a good church family. You know, as saints follow after the Lord, as we see in Scripture how God blesses His church with pastors and teachers, and those we can lean upon, those who can be accountability, those who can walk with us through difficulties and those moments where we're like, I'm not sure what to do. I don't have enough hair on my head anymore to pull any more out, right? We're just, I don't know what to do in this situation. And yet the Lord has given us such a tremendous value in the church of other saints who have walked this way before. I'll say it a few times. I'll say it again. Uh, we need the church. The church should never be segregated by age. We need the older saints who have walked in life to pour into the younger ones. We need the younger saints to realize you just don't know everything yet. Right? There are times I wish someone would say, you know what? I've made this mistake. Let me tell you how I got around it. I love that. I know I've said this before. I'll say it again. That famous quote by, by the famous author unknown, right? Learn from the mistakes of others because you can't live long enough to make them all yourself. Well, there's some wisdom in our older saints who have lived life. who said, man, I made that mistake. Here's what you need to do. Or, you know what? I see this in your life. You're heading this direction. Don't do it. I've been there. Don't do it. Come over here. We need that in the church. There's a value in the church. Paul says, uh, in, or excuse me, James says in 118, he says, uh, speaking of salvation and the power of God's word, uh, this is a verse we talked in our men's group on Saturday morning. He says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The, the, the gospel, right, brings about salvation, God's truth. Jesus in his priestly prayer in John 17, 17 says, sanctify them. Jesus praying, second uh, uh, person of the Godhead, right? The, the second member of the Trinity praying to the first, to God the Father, praying that, that God would sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Lord, bring and take these saints, set them apart for that good work that is found right in the scriptures. Your word is truth. We have to come to parenting with the conviction that God's word is truth. True. So my first point here under our sub point here is you must have a growing passion for God's word. 
Don't settle, right, for just a little. Don't settle for the fingertips of God. Get that Bible open and, and start uh, doing the work, right? You cannot impart what you don't possess, so get the Word of God in you. See, I think something here is wonderfully communicated. Something wonderfully is taught to those who know you, to your children especially, that as you have that Word of God open and you're seeking it, and you continually modeling your life under it and realizing, man, I was wrong here because God's Word says this. I'm going to change this in my life. Those simple things that are caught by your children that, and caught by those you have influence over. I mean, that's profound teaching. The Word of God must be really important to mom and dad because they have it open. Because they're reading it. Because they told me, I used to think this, but now I think this. The Word of God is changing their thinking. They're coming. They have a passion for it. You know, it's one thing as parents, and, and as I mentioned at the beginning, we can say all we want, hey, go get your Bible open because I said so. Right? They'll be like, uh, no. But if they see you and the seriousness that you as dad, as mom, opening that Bible and saying, this is what it says. See, more is caught than taught at times. Have it open. Have a love for the passion of God's word. There was some story one time with some pastors getting together and discussing the, the, which translation of the Bible they liked the best. And one mentioned, you know, I really like the King James Version because it just reads that beautiful English. It's just wonderful. Another gentleman spoke up under the pastor and he said, well, I, I really appreciate the New American Standard Version best because it's, it's closer to the original Hebrew and Greek. It's more wooden. I'm closer to that, to that version, what's being said there. Another pastor said, well, I you know, kind of like the contemporary version because it's up to date, which we shouldn't pay attention to that guy. No, I was kidding. Uh, but the fourth guy said, you know, I like the translation my mother uh, has done, my mother's translation. I like it the best. And the other pastors were a little bit confused thinking, well, your mom go and get some degrees in Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek and linguistics and did her own translation. I said, no, but she lived it. She lived it in front of me. She showed me. She demonstrated it. See, this has to be in us. These are things you can't. Again, right? You can't be phony. You can't be fake. Let the Word of God speak. Get it in you. So we have to have a passion for God's Word. And then we need to take that, that Word and teach it to our children and lead them to believe on Christ. Right? 3.15 of this passage. For that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So moms and dads, right, taking on this spiritual role, teach them about who God is. Teach them about the sinful condition that when you were born, right, we were born into sin. Explain that at their level, of course, and explain why, why Calvary is necessary. God is holy and he is just, and we have sinned against him. And speak to these things and then realize not only is God holy and just, God is love. So God realizes that you and I, we can't fix this. It's an unfixable problem. People may say a lot of things regarding that today. Oh, you can earn your way or do enough stuff. No, you can't fix it. It took the innocence, the perfect righteousness of Christ, someone who fulfilled the law, lived under the law, goes to Calvary. In our place was fulfilled. It was Christ. This is why Calvary is necessary. Right? Understand the simplicity of the gospel at their level and then begin to expand it as the more they can understand it is Christ that saves. This is why he came. Show them that it's not unfair for God to demand perfection. That's how he initially created us. 
But God provided a way in our brokenness that we can have his righteousness. That we can say, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. Teach the gospel. And then as you explain it, as they believe on Christ, as they profess Christ, watch it grow in their lives. Look for the evidence of, of, uh, uh, of being broken over sin, a sensitivity to it. See if there's a growing love for God and His Word. See if there's a growing things for the things of God. Look in their life, do they have a, a desire to be honoring to God, to, to please God? Are those things happening? It should be. It should be happening in every single one of us. And then realize it's never too early or too late to start. Talk of Christ. Speak of Jesus. Tell them. I love the testimony of Charles Spurgeon who said, I was telling that, um, how one Sunday evening his mother would stay home with the children and read and explain the scriptures to them. He, she would plead with them to think about their state of their souls and to seek the Lord. He remembers one time her praying, Now, Lord, if my children go on in their sins, it will not be from ignorance that they perish. And my soul must bear a swift witness against them at the day of judgment if they lay not hold of Christ. Spurgeon said, That thought of my mom bearing swift witness against me pierced my conscience, stirred my heart. See, every name has to be written in the Lamb's book of life. We don't get there because of mom and dad. You have to know Christ. There's no gray area in the Bible. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. If today you don't know Christ, today must be a day of salvation. Believe on him. Confess our sins. Believe on Christ. Nobody's guaranteed tomorrow, let alone later this afternoon. Believe on Jesus. And realize that if the gospel has been communicated to you, you understand the gospel. Then it will stand against you and accuse you in the day of judgment. So we must use God's word. We must have a passion for it. Lead our children to believe on it. And my letter C here is use God's word to show your children how to live. Live it out. Wonderful verses here, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word is sufficient. The other day, someone was, uh, was actually Rob Kaler, who gave me a hard time about all my books. You know, pastor, all you need is one. You just need the one book. And when she caught me off guard, I thought, yes, that's true. But all these others helped me understand that one book, right? You just need the one. Well, we need to have it in us, right? We need to be living it out. We need to be showing it. We need to realize that, that we can lead our children to Christ in it. We can show them how to live from it. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divisions of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible convicts us of our wrongs. It shows us our sins. Let it be that way. Demonstrate it, model it, live it in front of your children. Teach them often. Have a time of scripture reading in your home. Get that Bible open. If it's just a verse, a chapter, whatever it might be, discuss Scripture. Discuss Calvary. 
discuss sin. I mean, I think it's important today. We don't like to talk about many pastors are saying we let's not let's not speak of sin or repentance because people are banged up enough. They have a real low self-image of themselves. Do you realize that anyone who holds that position says that Jesus has no idea, has any understanding of the human predicament at all? Because he began his earthly ministry by telling us to repent. So the most important thing we need to do is to realize how damaging our sin is, how often we justify it, how often we, we, we don't want to bear our souls before a holy God. Our flesh wants dark darkness, right? The Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked. I heard a pastor one time say, why do you want to know my plan? My heart outside of the grace of God is just simply a sewer. And to which we say outside the grace of God, my heart doesn't want him. And yet, by his grace, his mercy, God has kindled, right, regenerated us, given us a hope and a faith to believe on Jesus Christ. He's given us his word that we can follow after and we can live after him. And get that book open. Get it open. Show your children how to live. Too often we hear these things and we hear the the passage spoken and we don't necessarily take it to heart or take it to our own life. We're quick to say, you know what, that that really works for someone else. That was a good passage or a good uh, sermon this morning, Pastor. I know just the person who needs to hear it. We need to hear it. Moms, you need to hear it. Dads, you need to hear it. Church family, we need to hear it. It is what is best for us. We have to come and start using the language of the Bible. We have to come and say, you know what? That's called sin. Let's call it sin. Because what we view of sin, how we view sin shows, it shows me quite quickly what you think of Calvary. I don't have to ask you a question about Jesus and his shed blood. If you tell me sin's not that big of a deal, if sin is not that big of a deal in your life, then the answer to that sin problem is not going to be a big deal. Let's see, Jesus paid a huge price. The last point here I have is the godly mother understands her influence. Right? And this, again, is for every saint. Understand your influence. Understand your impact. doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that, that we're always going to have it right. It simply means we come, we apply God's word, and we show our, our children how, how to repent, how to pray. Spurgeon says this, Never could it be possible for any man to estimate what he owes to a godly mother. Certainly I have not the powers of speech with, with which to set forth my valuation of the choice blessing which the Lord bestowed on me in making me the son of the one who prayed for me and prayed with me. How can I ever forget her tearful eye when she warned me to escape from the wrath to come? How can I ever forget when she bowed her knee and with her arms about my neck prayed, Oh, that my son might live before thee. Understand your influence, mom. Pray for your children. It's never too early. It's never too late. Don't, don't walk away from a sermon like this and go, Well, this is where I failed. Here's the list of my failures. Guess what? Everyone has blown it. There are moments in my life, even in my parenting, where I wish I could forget this moment. But I've also asked the Lord, don't ever let me forget this moment. I need to learn from this and be changed. Understand we're going to have difficulties. Don't camp out there. Understand where the Lord is moving you. The Lord wants you to grow, to mature, to understand your influence. It's never too early. It's never too late.
to do what is right by God's word. God always honors repentance. A contrite spirit he will not deny. Psalm 51. Show your children how to pray, how to repent. Call it what it is, but lead them. Moms, you are truly a blessing. You're a blessing to Christ. You're a blessing, of course, to the church. You're a blessing to your husbands. You're a blessing to your families. Don't ever forget that. Here today, the challenge, right? Rise up and be that person. Understand your influence. Grow in a love and a passion for God's word. Use that word. Teach your children. You're not responsible. You can't make them believe on Christ. It takes the work of the Spirit. But make sure they know, just as Spurgeon Mom said, right? I will stand against you. God is good. Come back to that confidence of knowing in Psalm 100, God is good. Today, God is good, moms. Today, his mercy is for you. It's for the church. It's for your family. Today, God has a truth that you know that you can pass on to every generation because it changes not. Be encouraged. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much that we can call upon your great name. Thank you for loving us and encouraging us, strengthening us. I pray for every mom this morning. And I pray for all our moms this morning, whether we are a mom or simply thinking of our own moms, and we lift them, Lord, up to you. We are grateful, God, for, for any godly influence in our lives. We're thankful for those who, who have directed us and led us. Father, I pray for those who might have, have had difficulty in their childhood and struggle through those things. I pray, that, Lord, that you would just bring us back to the simplicity and truth of your word that we would know, that we would believe, that we would call upon your great name. Let us be encouraged. Let us not walk away defeated, but to realize what the, uh, the awesome blessing that you've bestowed upon moms, how wonderful they really are, how you designed the family. God, you are good. You are so good. We thank you for loving us, Lord. I pray that this day that each mother here and all our moms would feel encouraged, would feel loved. They would feel that challenge, Lord, because they have an awesome responsibility. But by your spirit, Lord, direct them, encourage them, strengthen them. Help them to realize, Lord, that it's never too early, never too late to get that word open, to grow in passion, to start following after you. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the family. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the church family. Lord, we love you. We pray all this in the wonderful, wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.